0: tonight. We're going to continue on Abundant Life, the Abundant Life series. The title of the message tonight is Censors of Fire. Censors of Fire. Leviticus chapter 10. What an awesome service we had Sunday night. Amen. (laughs) Amen. What an awesome word that Brother Mike Gray brought us, brought to this church. Some of you have already talked to me about how that, that so fed you, and I'm glad for that. Amen. We just had an awesome move of God here, and I'm thankful for it. The next day, he came by, and I was talking to him, You know, and I said, you know, whenever you have a really, really powerful move of God like that, you have to always be aware of that the enemy is always in the atmosphere. And I told him, I said, you know, when I got home Sunday night, I was rejoicing. But at the same time, there was in the atmosphere, there was trouble in the atmosphere and the spirit. And I told my wife that night, I said, there's trouble in the atmosphere. And I uh, went off to sleep finally. And the Lord began to speak to me early in the morning. He began to talk to me about strange fire. And I want to preach to you tonight, sensors of fire, with that in mind, that if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to get in a place where we're offering strange fire, and that's very, very dangerous, uh, because not only do we offer strange fire to God, but we begin to act very strange. So tonight, by the grace of God, I'm going to speak to you about sensors of fire and its connection with authority. If the authority question is not solved, then there can be nothing solved. And there is no authority that is not delegated authority that comes from God. All true authority has to come from God. No man can take authority on himself in the kingdom of God. It has to be delegated authority. It's not his authority, it's God's authority. But it only can come from God. In your household, the authority question has to be solved immediately. If it is not solved immediately, then nothing will be solved. Do you understand what I'm saying? And without it being solved, there will be no abundant life in your house, in your workplace, at your church, at your school, anywhere. Because all you have is utter chaos. And that's what we have today in the world is utter chaos. Because men have given in to that rebellious nature that's in the heart of all of us. There is foolishness in the heart of every one of us, including this preacher. And because in the heart of us there is that foolishness and that rebellion that we carry, we can very quickly move into things that are not godly, And begin to experience some very, very difficult problems, situations in our life, spiritual difficulties and problems. And we try to put our finger on it and say, What's the deal here? What's going on? And uh, I believe that God has given me direction for you tonight to not let yourself get caught up in strange stuff. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. If you have that, say, Praise the Lord. And as you know, a message like this is, is the last thing that I want to preach. It is a great struggle for me to stand up and preach on this subject. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it can sound self-serving. But it's not about me. It's about walking with God and abundant life and being blessed by God. So let's just get that out of the way. I'm doing this because God has told me to do it. Chapter 10, verse 1 of Leviticus. If you have had that, say praise the Lord. And Nadab and Abihu, two sons, the sons of Aaron. Now he's the high priest. And these are his sons. Took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. Which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord. And devoured them. And they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron. This is that the Lord spake saying. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And I'm going to go to Numbers 12, Number 16, and 1 Samuel chapter 15 tonight. But to start out, that's where we're going to start, okay? Father God, I pray that you would take this word tonight and minister to all of us. Speak to me. Speak to your congregation. Speak to your sheep, Lord, tonight. This word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for you have spoken to us and to bring this word to this house tonight. I know, God, that's going to shake people here. It's going to shake their lives. It's going to shake their spirits. It's going to cause us, Lord Jesus, to do the searching of our own hearts. It's going to call us to repentance tonight. And I just put this service into your hands, Lord Jesus, for the spirit, God, in which it is to be delivered. And Father, we just give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible talks about these two young sons of Aaron, priests sons, the high priest sons of the tribe of Levi. The Bible tells us in this passage that each one of them took their censer, which is very interesting to me because if you look at the book of Hebrews, you will find out that there was a censer that the high priest had, and it was a gold censer. And he put coals of fire in that censer from off of the altar. And he went there before the presence of the Lord. And he put incense upon the coals of fire. And as he entered in the presence of the Lord, then that incense would rise up before God. So that man would not die. If he went in the presence of the Lord without that censer in hand. With coals of fire and incense upon it. Then that man would die right in the presence of the Lord. It was a golden censer in From what I gather by the scripture, according to uh, Leviticus 16, verse 12, turn there, please. It is the duty of the high priest to bring fire before the presence of the Lord. And uh, tonight, even before church, there was a brother in the prayer room, and he was praying. He did not know what I was going to preach tonight, did not know what God put on my heart. But this brother was talking about the fiery incense before the presence of the Lord. So the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, even had this brother praying a prayer concerning incense and fire that's offered to God. And that high priest, the high priest, as far as I understand, was the one who was responsible for this. In verse 12 of chapter 16, it says that he, verse 11, and Aaron shall bring the bullock of sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house And shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. And his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not." And so when we see these two sons of Aaron, evidently they got to looking at what the high priest did in offering fire. And they thought, we can do that too. And so they took it upon themselves to do something that God had not commanded them. They did not have the place or the authority to do this it wasn't delegated to them it was delegated to God's high priest now evidently they thought boy that's that's easy what's so hard about getting a few coals off the altar and putting incense on it and going in the presence of the Lord that's easy there's nothing hard about that we can do that and so they went in there and they bypassed the delegated authority of God they operated apart from God's high priest. And the Bible doesn't tell us in this passage that even the fire that they got was from the wrong place. A lot of times people read this passage or they preach this passage and they preach it as if they had the right to offer the incense before God, but they just got the fire from the wrong place. Or possibly they did it during the wrong time of the day. Or possibly they did it the wrong way. So maybe wrong fire, wrong time, wrong way. But from what I understand about this passage, the reason why God got so upset was because they were not supposed to be doing it to begin with. It was not their position. It was not their place. God had not delegated that for them. But yet they did it anyway. And in bypassing the delegated authority... Bypassing God's high priest that brought the sure judgment of God upon them. And God killed them on the spot. And the Bible said that they offered strange fire before God. Now notice it doesn't tell me that the whole congregation of God was in rebellion. And I'm not preaching this message tonight as if everybody in the house is in rebellion. That's not the reason for the preaching of this message. Why I'm preaching this is because God says there's some people and a few people in this house that offer strange fire unto me because they bypass delegated authority. And they think that they can do things that they're not appointed to do because it seems to them as something that is easy. Well, the question is not how hard or how easy uh, something is. It's, has God called you to do that? Has God delegated you to offer that fire? If he has not called you to do that, then you get real strange in the house. And you begin to carry with you very strange spirits. Your character becomes very uncharacteristic of you, if you will. You start acting very strange and very weird. And we like to sometimes come up with a lot of excuses as to why we are struggling spiritually. But the Lord told me a reason why so many people struggle spiritually is because they are constantly rebelling or going up cross delegated authority and they get strange in their life and so these two men right here got strange on God and they got strange on their daddy and they got strange in the congregation of the Lord and so God just killed them right on the spot which evidently that means they didn't live an abundant life and you cannot live an abundant life when you're walking around in rebellion against authority If you're rebelling against your boss on the job, you better repent tonight. If you're rebelling against your teacher at school tonight, you better repent tonight. Especially if you're rebelling against delegated authority in the house of God. You better get yourself right with God. Because you're going to bring upon yourself anything but abundant life. You're going to bring upon yourself great misery and great confusion of mind and death in your life. Because you're not walking where God wants you to walk. And therefore, you're out from underneath the protection. You're out from underneath the covering. There is a covering. There is a protection. Yes, Lord. And these young men just decided to walk out from underneath that protection. And do it their way. And God said, I'll have none of that. Give God some praise tonight. This is a serious thing I'm talking to you about tonight. And sometimes it gets a hold of sons in ministry. It gets a hold of young women who have calls upon their life. They start getting weird in the house. They start getting strange in the house. They start getting rebellious in the house. And they start having all kinds of problems. And, and they're trying to figure out what's going on here. The Lord said, you're offering strange fire to me. Because you're not rightly related to God's delegated authority. And I know we're in New Testament days. And we need to praise God that we are in New Testament days. We need to praise God that we're in the time of grace. Because if we weren't, we'd all be dead, probably. (laughs) Including me. But you'll notice, if you look at this passage, you will see that the chapter before it, that the people of God offered the proper sacrifices unto the Lord. And they did it God's way, according to God's order. And the high priest was operating the way he was supposed to operate. And so at the end of doing it God's way, the Bible said the fire of God came down and consumed the sacrifice in their midst. And the last verse of chapter 9 says, And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering. The fire of God hit that altar there and consumed that sacrifice. And the Bible said, he consumed the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, what did they do? They shouted and fell on their faces. There was celebration in the house. There was joy in the house. There was victory in the house. There was shouting going on, and they were falling on their face and, and celebrating the mighty manifestation of God's power and glory as He consumed the sacrifice. But shortly thereafter is when you have the story of two men who walked outside of delegated authority, and it says God, they offered God strange fire and there they died which is very interesting to me because when you come into the New Testament the Holy Ghost is poured out on the day of Pentecost and everybody's shouting and they're praising the Lord and they're speaking with new tongues and there's fire setting upon each of their heads in the congregation of God's people and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost And they appear to others as people who are drunk with joy and victory and power. But before you go too long into the book of Acts, That happens in Acts chapter 2 but when you get to Acts chapter 5 we got a couple in Acts chapter 5 again two people but this time it's a husband and a wife named Ananias and Sapphira and the Bible says they come before God and they lie to the Holy Ghost and they offer there in a type of fulfillment of the type strange fire to God so even in the church age even in the time of grace God killed two people in the church age because they lied to the Holy Ghost. So in Acts 2, we have the power and the glory and the people of God rejoicing. In Acts chapter 5, that same fire that filled those people now is consuming people because they're strange people in the house of God. So this is not just Old Testament theology. This is New Testament theology. This is the church of the living God and the way the church operates. God has not changed His thinking about authority. God has not changed His thinking about the situations. He's the same God. The God of the Old Testament is still the same God of the New Testament. He has not changed. And so I exhort you tonight to not let something strange get a hold of you recognize the importance of God's delegated authority and understand that rank and position and authority only comes from the Lord God. Give God praise. Obedience will always follow the person of faith. But rebellion always follows human reasoning. If tonight you are walking by your own human intellect and reason, it will lead you into rebellion against God. You cannot lean upon your own understanding. But in all your ways, you must acknowledge the Lord. Because the moment you begin to lean upon your own understanding... Then what will happen is that will lead you into rebellion against the Lord, but a man and a woman of faith What do they do they walk in obedience to God and submission to God because they're people of God they're people of faith But every once in a while we let stuff get a hold of our thinking and we start thinking too much And we started getting full of self-importance like Nadab and Abihu did. They got full of self-importance and full of self. And you know, well, hallelujah, we want to be seen too just like daddy is being seen. And God killed them on the spot. You can't live the abundant life that way. Give God some praise. And you as parents... You have got to drive the foolishness out of the heart of your children. You have to drive it out. You have to settle the authority question in your house first and foremost. That has to be the first thing that you do in relationship with your children is settle the authority issue. The first thing that every new convert must learn, every new person in God's kingdom, the first thing they must learn is the power that God places in a man. Because until you understand the power that God places in a man, Then your heart will be set on foolishness and you'll begin to walk in your own intellect and reason and it will lead you to rebellion. But God has placed his power and his authority in a man. That man doesn't have anything apart from God. But if God puts that authority inside of him, you better be careful. Because if you fight against that delegated authority or seek to bypass that, you will find yourself in great, great spiritual trouble. Give God praise. You need to let your children know. That if they rebel against you, there's going to be a price that they're going to pay. That there's going to be a consequence for it. You can't get this, well, I love my kids and and I'm not going to correct them. You better correct them. They better learn early in age that authority must be obeyed. Because if they don't learn that, there is no way they can succeed in any area of life. Give God some praise. And some of you will say, but pastor, I'm trying and I've got war on my hands every day. I got news for you. That's a war. That's a battle you can't lose. I said, that's a battle you cannot lose. You can't wave the flag of surrender and say, okay, I'm just tired. I'm not going to correct them. I'm not going to deal with them anymore. It's not doing them any good anyway. I'm telling you, if every day you've got war in your house, they are challenging your authority. And if you don't think that little little boy little girl will challenge your authority you wait till they get a little bit older they will stand up they'll challenge your authority they'll see if you'll exercise authority or not and you better when they do that you better win the battle i'm telling you you better win the battle if you don't you're going to find them in a prison cell or you might go to their funeral and be a part of their funeral ceremony you better win that battle my friend Give God some praise. We have this example of God killing a couple men for offering strange fire. Strange acting characters. But you know what the Bible also talks about in the Old Testament? That if a son or a daughter rebelled against the parents, they took that son and that daughter and they stoned them to death. That's the way God looks at it. But pastor, I don't think I'm supposed to be disciplined. You better discipline them. God's, God had them killed in the Old Testament just for rebelling against the parents. You've got to win the battle. I don't care if it's day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. You've got to win the battle. You can't let them just get by with it. They've got to understand there's a price to pay for rebellion. And after you spank them because you love them so much, then go in the room and cry because you had to do it. Because if you ever get to a place where you enjoy it, there's something strange about you. If you ever get to a place where you can correct your children and you enjoy it, there's something wrong with you. After you get through correcting them and disciplining them and and spanking them, knowing that's for their good, then go in your room and cry and carry the burden. Don't enjoy it. Come on, are you with me tonight? God didn't enjoy killing these two men because they started offering strange fire in his house. He didn't enjoy that, but he knew he had to do that. What's interesting to me is that God wouldn't even let the high priest attend the funeral of his sons. He wouldn't even let the high priest mourn the death of his children. That's how serious God is about this. Because if the high priest had mourned and lamented the death of his two sons, then the high priest was taking a position against God himself. So, God said, you can't mourn them, you can't attend their their ceremony because they acted against me. Are you here tonight? That's the way God looks at it. Give God some praise. So, if you ever go through life and you start acting strange, you start acting out of character, I'm going to tell you what to look for first is are you properly related to delegated authority in your life if you are not you will begin to act very strange a spirit will get a hold of you from hell and it's a rebellious spirit that gets a hold of you are you here tonight and I'm not just preaching my own mind or my own heart. I got this straight from the throne of God. And some of you have been acting weird on us. You've been acting weird on me. And I'm calling you to repentance us tonight. God's calling you to repentance us tonight. Because this is serious stuff. It has to do with that rebellious nature that's in us. Are you here tonight? That foolishness that's in us. Are you here tonight? Go to Numbers 12. So we saw Nadab and Abihu acting strange, bypassing God's delegated authority. In Numbers 12, we got family members. Now, family members of Moses. Hello, somebody. Bible says in verse 1, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. In their estimation and in their eyes, Moses was wrong. And maybe he was, but it wasn't their place to do anything about it hello somebody he said this they said watch they said hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses he's not the only anointed man in this house wake up somebody God doesn't just speak by Moses only hath he not spoken also by us and the Lord heard it. See, God wants to use his people. He wants his people to prophesy. He wants you to be anointed. But the tone of voice here is one of rebellion. Moses isn't the only important person in this house. God also speaks by us. We get a word from God too and God uses us just like he uses Moses. And the Lord heard it. Are you awake tonight? Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly. He spake suddenly. He don't wait around. Until it blows up into full congregational rebellion. When God begins to even sniff it in the house. God comes to that set man. And he speaks to that set man to deal with it suddenly. God doesn't wait for it to come. Kill everybody with leprosy. He says, you deal with it now. We've got strange fire in the house. You've got strange sons in the house. You've got people who are going to cross delegate authority. And you got to stop it now. Stop. And the Lord spake. What did he do? Suddenly. Now watch. Unto Moses, unto Aaron, and unto Miriam. Now remember, Aaron is Moses' brother. And Miriam is Moses' sister. So maybe because, you know, they've got that family tie. Or they've got that close relationship with Moses. They feel like they can push him a little further than somebody else who doesn't have a relationship. But God doesn't recognize... But one delegated authority in that camp. And that's Moses and Aaron. The high priest in this case, Moses. Are you here tonight? So, but even as important as Aaron is. He can't rebel against the set man over God's congregation. Because Moses is the set man. Now watch this. The Bible says. And suddenly the Lord spake, suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and unto Miriam, come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. He's greater than a prophet. God said, This man was greater than a prophet. He said, With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. Which sometimes God gives a word, you don't see it clearly. It's a dark thing, it's a vague thing. Are you here? But not with Moses. He didn't just speak vaguely in dark sentences where Moses had to keep, keep seeking the Lord to begin to see the vision clearly. This man, God spoke to him face to face, mouth to mouth. He said, and not in dark speeches in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's not about Moses. What's what's important is, is, that's God's man. You see, what I'm trying to show you here is that God didn't, listen, Moses didn't have to defend himself. God defended him. If it's God's delegated authority, that man doesn't have to defend himself. God will take care of it. God will deal with it. Give God some praise. And the, watch, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous. Oh, are you with me? So we got two people that acted strange, offering strange fire. God killed them, because they bypassed delegate authority. Now we've got people who are the family of the man of God. Speak, just talking against the man. Just talking against the man. And God comes in there. And it doesn't matter what kind of relationship physically they have. God steps in there. And he hits that sister of Moses with leprosy. And Moses, the man of God, intercedes for Miriam. And by the way, Miriam means rebellious. Moses begins to intercede for Miriam, his sister. Because when she got struck with leprosy, Moses said she's got leprosy and she appears as to be unto death. Catch the word death. Again, death. Moses prays, don't let her die, God. Heal her, Lord. Heal her, God, of that leprosy. And God says this back to Moses. If her daddy would have spit in her face. Then she would have not have been cast out of the camp for seven days. Cast her out of the camp for seven days. And after seven days then she was restored back to the camp of Israel. Made whole. And what God says is this. She's going to be judged. If her daddy would have dealt with her. then she would not have grown up and speak against delegated authority but because her daddy did not spit in her face when she rebelled against the authority now god comes down and judges her with leprosy and casts her out of the church of the living god for seven days you don't think god is not serious about this You better get a hold of your children now. Because if you don't, they're going to go up and they're going to rebel against every boss they work for. They're going to rebel. Oh, come on, somebody. And then somebody say, well, I love them, Pastor. You don't love them if you don't correct them. If you really care about somebody, then you require great things from them. If you don't care about them, you don't require anything from them. It's a sign of a loving father and a loving mother's care when they require great things from their sons and their daughters. But if you let them off the hook, they're going to grow up and rebel. They'll never succeed in life. End up in prison. Maybe not even saved because they can't handle a pastor telling them what to do. Did you know that God was like that? That's the way God sees things. If her daddy would have spit in her face, then she wouldn't have had to been cast out for seven days. I'm telling you, man, we're messed up. We listen to too much psychology and philosophy. That foolishness is shut up in the heart of all of us so God said, I just can't let her off the hook, Moses. She's done this. I can't just go down there and, and heal her. I know you've interceded for me or to me for her. But I can't just let her off the hook. I've got to do something here. And so he left the leprosy upon her, that disease and sickness for seven days. If rebellion doesn't kill you, it will bring disease upon you. It'll bring, come on somebody, it'll bring sickness upon you. It doesn't kill you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Now go to number 16. So we see there Moses again interceding for a rebellious person. But God still judges. In Numbers chapter 16, the Bible says, Now, Korah, the sons of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Let me tell you something. This is the least liked message that can ever be preached in a church. But it's the most important one that I can preach to you. Because if you don't get a hold of this, you have no hope of being saved. Because what will happen is you'll come into the church for a season. And then when they have to correct you and deal with you, you'll be out the door. And when you're out the door, you can be destroyed. Number 16. Now Kor the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Say, the son of Levi. Oh, we got another Levite here. See, we got all these leadership problems. Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron. Family members, Miriam and Aaron, family members of Moses. Now we've got over here, we've got Korah, the son of Levi, a Levite leadership, keepers of the tabernacle, keepers of the church. The Bible says in verse 2, they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes. Of the assembly. Famous in the congregation. Men of renown. Men who have leadership positions. Men who have risen up in the church. Men who have become famous. Men who have made a name for themselves in the church of the living God. And because of that, they've let this pride get a hold of them. It says, and they rose up before Moses. Uh-oh. With certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes. You see, they feel like if they can get a majority behind them. They get a bunch of people to agree with them and follow them. In this rebellion, that that gives them strength. Makes them feel like what they're doing is right. Because they got some people that agree with them. Especially leadership. Watch. They gather themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, "You take too much upon you." Hmm. Sounds like they care about him, don't they? You take too much on you. Watch. seeing all the congregation are holy. Like who do you think you are? <laughs> the Bible says the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them, and that's true. Say, look at your neighbor. And say that's true. Wherefore, then lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Why do you lift yourself above everybody? This is leadership talking. These are people that are famous in the church. These are leaders who've let a spirit get a hold of them. Pride's got a hold of them. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen, will he cause to come near unto him. This do take you censers, Korah and all his company. And put fire therein. That's exactly what Nadab and Abihu did. They put coals of fire in their own censers. And offered incense to God. And God says it's strange fire. Now we've got Moses. You know what's going on here? We're going to discern by the censers of fire. Who is the proper authority in the house? It was by the censers of fire that Nadab and Abihu offered unto God strange fire and killed them. Now Moses says in a similar situation, he says now take censers of fire and we're going to determine who has the rightful position to be in the priesthood by the censers of fire. Are y'all here tonight? I don't expect you to run and shout. He says this right here. Take your censer's core and all his company. Put fire there in verse 7. Put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. See, before that, you know, you read the, we just got through reading. They thought Moses was taking too much on himself. That's what they told Moses. Then Moses says, no, you take too much on yourself. And God's going to straighten all this up by tomorrow. And he's going to do it in connection with the censors of fire. Come on, are you with me today? can do what you do Moses anybody in the church can do what you do Moses everybody is holy in the church (laughs) you just take too much on yourself Moses are you getting the picture here yeah well praise the Lord at least they didn't go out and start their own church They just wanted to take over his. Today, what they do is they just go out. They get together. They're buddies and everything in the church. And so what they do, they just buddy up and go out and start them another church. Most of the time. But here, they wanted to take over this one. Woo, Lord have mercy. And see, they thought they were up to it. They thought they could do it. And they thought that Moses was, you know, making himself too high. And Moses said, no, you are lifting yourself up too high. Are you getting the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself. Look what God's using you in the church. God has allowed you to come into his presence. He's allowed you to be princes in the congregation of God. But that's not enough for you. You want it higher. You want are full of self-importance. It's all about you being placed in a higher position. You're not willing to settle for being used by God as a prince in the house of the Lord. You better get rid of that spirit. Watch. Yes, Lord. He said, he's brought you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. But you want a higher position. You want the priesthood itself. Watch. Verse 10 He hath brought thee near to him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also? You're not willing to just be in leadership? You're not willing to just stand before the congregation and minister for God? Be a leader? What a high calling and a high privilege that is. But that's not enough for you because you're full of ego. See, you cannot manage ego. You can't manage ego. You can't even really manage talent if that talent isn't given to God. The problem with these men and the problem with Moses' sister and brother and the problem with Nadab and Abihu was that they were not willing to give their gifts to God and glorify God with it and stay under delegated authority. That was the problem with them. That wasn't enough. They wanted... To be recognized, they wanted something that they weren't called to. They had a place, but they wanted more. Because why? Because it gratifies the flesh. Watch. Verse 11. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. Do you see that? I don't see these men one time planning plans to fight God. I don't see them in their tents talking about how they're going. We're going to rebel against God tomorrow. I don't see them planning how they're going to try to overthrow God off his throne. I don't see any of that in their conversation. I don't see any of that in their actions. All I see is men wanting the priesthood that they haven't been called to. Standing up against Moses. A man. And then I see God saying, you've stood up against me. See, nobody will admit they're rebelling against God but they feel like they can stand up against the men of God that God sets up over them. And it's okay for them to do that, but it's definitely, you know, they definitely know it's wrong to to try to overthrow God in their life. But when you stand up against delegated authority, you're standing against God himself. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? Are you murmuring against him? Well, this is heavy, isn't it? When they're murmuring against Aaron and they're standing against Moses, they are fighting God. Now, in case you want to lose a battle, if you want to lose a battle, fight God. I guarantee you, if you fight God, you will lose the battle. You will never win that battle. It's for your good. It's for abundant life that I preach this to you tonight. There's no way you can ever experience abundant life and joy and power and victory in your life. If you're not walking in submission to God's delegated authorities in your life. somebody I won't come on somebody listen to me I just want to tell you this <laughs> I'm Waiting on God to tell me how to explain it to you but I will explain it this way to you that if a man is delegated by God over you if he's wrong or right you better not rebel against him because he's set by God over that particular house and I will say this that whatever that man tells you to do, if he's a true man of God, you better do it. If they tell you to fast for a week, you better fast for a week. They, if you fast for a week, and then after you fast for a week, and you see them eating somewhere, and you're still fasting for the week because he told you to fast for the week. Oh, listen to me. Watch this. They tell you to fast for a week. You're on the fifth day. You walk into a a place and you look over there and you see your pastor eating. And he told you to fast for a week. And you see him eating. How would you respond to that? Well, I think I'll just go eat. I saw my pastor eating. Would you get angry? Would you get mad? Look at that. He told us to fast. That hypocrite over there, look at him. He's over there eating. I tell you what you do. If you're a true man and woman of God, you keep fasting. I don't care if he broke the fast on the fifth day or not. If you're a true man or a true woman of God, you keep fasting. You know why? Because the man of God said it. And if you want to know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about myself. I walked by a man of God who told us to fast for a week. And I walked by and found them eating in a restaurant after about five days. You know what? I finished my fast. So I'm not telling you something that I don't live and have not lived. Because the man of God said it. I did it. And if God released him to break the fast after five days, that's between him and God, not between me and him and God. God releases him to do it. And God says, "Okay, you've accomplished what you were supposed to in the spirit. You're released. It might have only taken him five days, but it took me seven. And then shortly after that, he put us on another fast. Three more days on top of that. You know what? I didn't rebel against the man of God. God tells you to come to the front. You better run as fast as you can to the front. God tells you to be in the prayer room at a certain time. You better be in the prayer room at a certain time. You need to have enough fear of God in your life. The man of God says, let me know when you're not going to be in church. For you to not let him know you are in rebellion. And you wonder why you got the problems you've got in your life. Because the man of God has no idea where you are. You know why you do that? Because you're not submitted. You say, but pastor, I'll obey you. You obey in what you want to obey. But you're not submitted. Because when you're submitted, you wouldn't think twice about missing the house of the Lord without letting that man of God know where you are. You wouldn't think twice about not calling your job your workplace tomorrow if you decided you couldn't make it. I guarantee you, you'll call them or you'll be fired the next day afterwards. And you know it. And I've got some people in here who've been in leadership. Who thinks they could just skip church anytime they wanted to. Anyhow they wanted to. You know what that tells me? Your spirit's not right in the eyes of God. For you to be able to get to that place in your life where you don't think you need to. You're out of order. And no wonder God has set you down. But he loves you enough tonight to come in here and tell you, you can repent of this. You can get over this. You can live the abundant life, but you can't keep doing it your way. This question has to be solved now or no other question can be solved. Give somebody praise. Give God praise. You know you know the story. You know what the difference between obedience and submission is. You know what it is. We shared this with you and we've learned this. That obedience is when somebody tells you to do something. They tell you to sit down and you sit down. You obeyed. You obeyed. You sit down. But submission is when your heart is sitting down. But you can be obedient and not submissive, which means you sit down on the outside, but you're standing up on the inside. I'll obey it, but I don't like it. I'll sit down. They told me to sit down, but I don't like it. Then you're not submitted. Because a submitted spirit is like this. Whatever he tells me, man, I'm going to do it. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm happy to do it. God, hallelujah, man. Are you getting the point here? There's a lot of people who are obedient but are not submitted. Now watch this. This is powerful. You'll never live the abundant life. Never. Watch what they say in Numbers 16. Moses explains what God has done for them and had the position that God has given them. He says, who's Aaron that you'd murmur against him? Who is anybody? Who's it? Who, who am I? Who's anybody? You understand what I'm saying? Nothing in ourselves. Nothing. 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 What's this? Verse 12, and Moses sent to call, watch this, he calls Datham and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. Let me just get to where we live right now. Moses picks up the telephone and says, hey, he actually walked to their tent, or sent, no, he didn't walk to their tent, he sent for them. He sent a messenger boy to them, to their tent. He said, come on up. God's going to deal with you. God's going to straighten something out here. And would you believe that Datham, Abiram, and Eliab would not come up? And they justified why they wouldn't go up. We're not going to go to church. And I'm going to tell you why we're not going to go to church. And they tried to justify they're not going to church. Rebellion in the heart. And I want to show you the way they played it. They're in denial. Whenever you find somebody like this, you're going to find somebody in denial. And shortly after denial comes demonic. I went and prayed for somebody last Wednesday night. Went right up to them. I went to pray for them and they were full of denial. And I'm telling you, friend, God said they're full of demons too. And all they could do is just deny about where they were. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You're okay kind of stuff. That's not true in denial. Backslid. Demons in their life. But I'm okay. That's the way they always sound. I'm okay. Everything's cool with us. We're doing great. And the reason why we don't go up is why or watch this are y'all getting this <laughs> mm-hmm. you know people like to go to a church where the power of God is don't they they like to go to a church where the glory of God is poured out they like to go to the house of the Lord where the spirit of the Lord is so wonderful but then when they hear a word like this I will just say this This is why you feel what you feel when you come in here. Because if we didn't preach like this, you wouldn't feel what you feel when you come in this house. Because if the government of God is not right, the glory is not going to be right. But if you get the government right, the glory is going to be right. And so watch what they say. Moses sins for him. Verse 13. They would not come up. Verse 13. It is a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land. Now, watch this. They're going to try to justify their evil actions by pointing to Moses' failures. And we're just going to see if that swings with God. They justify their evil actions trying to find the failure in the man of God. What do they say? Here's what they here's their response to Moses. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. You brought us out of Egypt into the wilderness so you could just rule somebody. You are power hungry. You just want to have somebody in your life that you can boss around, Moses. That's why you brought us out here. So you could rule over us and dominate over us and lord over us. No man of God is called to lord over you. They are delegated authorities in your life. No man is called to lord over you. But they're accusing Moses of lording over them, wanting to... Pl- a position of authority and power over them. Watch. Verse 14. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Everything you've been preaching about, we're going to the promised land. We're going to be blessed. Oh, that's a bunch of lies, they said to Moses. We had not seen it in our life, and so we don't have to come up when you call us. You just want to be a boss over us anyway. We don't have to listen to you because your word's not coming to pass. We'll see what God thinks about that. Man, we're out here in the wilderness. We're going to die. And you've been preaching to us paradise. You've been preaching blessing to us. And nothing but hardship has come our way. You haven't brought us to the land flowing with milk and honey. So we don't have to come up now. And some of you got that spirit. You got that spirit because you've experienced some hardships in your life, you won't go to church because you, you sit in your house and you sulk and you mope and you rebel. And you think you don't have to be accountable because not doing anything for me, not helping me. Wow, it's powerful, isn't it? So they try to justify their evil actions by trying to find error in Moses. And that's a very tricky thing to catch yourself in. Because then you feel right, you're looking for a way. I'm preaching this for your good. To call the pastor let him know where we are. Who's he think he is anyway? Things are pretty rough for us right now anyway. I'm just gonna stay home and suck my thumb anyway. I'm just gonna get an attitude anyway. I'm just gonna get a spirit anyway. Boy, this is heavy stuff, is it too heavy for you guys? Is this too heavy for you? I love you. Is it too heavy for you? It's the word of God. Watch verse 15. And Moses was very wroth. He was very angry. Now, that's interesting to me because in one passage it says he's the meekest man in all the earth. And now we find this man losing it. He is very angry. Okay, well, hallelujah. I can just hear him now. Got it. No love. Datham, Abiram, and Eliab. I can hear it now. Hey, Moses lost his temper. See, we told you. We told you. We don't have to go up and mess with that guy, lose his temper. What he says didn't come to pass. You're not really a man of God anyway. Ooh, we're going to find out. We're not doing too bad. What's he going to do? Call us up there and pull our eyes out? Son, you're digging a deeper hole for yourself. <laughs> Everything you're doing, you're digging the hole a little deeper. And you're digging it without a shovel. Because God's fixing to dig it for you. See, you're real stout and you're real strong and you're real confident right now. But God's fixing to dig your hole your, a hole you can't get out. And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord. Respect not thou their offering. On the one hand, we got him praying for healing. Now we got him angry and saying, don't respect their offering. It's powerful, man. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. I haven't done any harm to them, any of them. Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. You be there. And take every man his censer. And put incense in them. And bring ye before the Lord every man his censer. 250 censers. They also an Aaron each of you his censor. The censor is the mark of the test. And they took every man his censor and put fire. The word their censor literally is their own little little bitty pan, you know, little bitty old pan house, some little house pot they got, okay. They put their fire in there, and, you know, they're going to be a, act like a priest, you know. Hallelujah. We, we all priests, too. Okay. And the Bible says this. And they took every man of incense and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses. Can you see this bunch? A Bunch of idiots. with their little sensors wagging them back. Like, Son, you don't know what's about to happen to you, do you? You just keep wagging them little sensors, you know? <laughs> yeah. you all confident, all full of pride and rebellion. Yeah, you think you're doing good, think you justify yourself, think you're right. You're doing all- yeah, okay. Let's just see what God thinks about it. you taking too much on you. <laughs> now, watch this. In verse 19, and Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, I don't know exactly how to look at that because I know we got 250 princes. I know that we've got Korah. I know that we have Datham, Abiram, and Eliab. But now the Bible says Korah's got the congregation against him. And the Bible says, And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation. That I may consume them in a moment. You catch these words like suddenly. And the Lord heard. And in a moment. He goes on. I want to tell you something. I feel led to tell you this. I had somebody call me not long ago. And they wanted to be a part of. The ministry of this church, they and I say that in this sense, they wanted to use the buildings of this church and start their work, try to help people in this uh, uh, place. And so I said, "Well, I'm gonna have to pray about that." I said, mm-hmm. "Sounds like something good. Like you, you know, you're trying to accomplish something good, but I got to pray about it because I don't know if I need to get in in a relationship with you or not." Okay. And so, they begin to share with me how that before they talked to me, they had just stood in the face of a preacher, a pastor, and that pastor lost his temper with them. And so, they're no longer in relationship with that church because that pastor lost their temper. Ooh red flag started flying up in me. I might not agree with everything about that man, but I want to tell you something, man. Unless, you have, if, unless you're equal in ministry with him or above him in ministry, you do not want to deal with him. God doesn't call saints to go toe-to-toe with, with rank. He calls rank to deal with rank he calls paul's to deal with peters you don't stand toe-in-toe with somebody that you're not in the same rank with or higher rank and when i found out that that's all i needed i called him up the next day i said i just don't feel led of god to do that Whoa, you talk about that spirit Man, that spirit, that true spirit that was on her rose up. Lord have mercy. And I was loving and kind as, you know, like I always am. I'm serious. I'm loving and kind to her. That old spirit rose up. Woo. And I found out, boy, she just gave me a tongue lashing to everybody. I found out later, you know, she went in our church. found out later that, boy, she didn't let me have it, man. Thank God. Man, if I'd have got into a relationship with her, there's no telling what would happen to me. But see, God will protect you. As soon as I found out she gave up, you know, got into it with that, I said, "Whoop! that's all I need to know, man. There's something that caused him to get angry at you. And I ain't getting in that with you. And because I didn't bow my knee to her. ooh boy, I was on her list. From that day forward, I was on her list. I saw her in a service the other night, long, 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 long ago. <clears throat> Walked up there. Boy, they, she still had that spirit. <laughs> she looked down at that old, no, she's taller than me. <clears throat> she looked down at me. I was was praising the Lord all the way out the door. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You saved my hide. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Bible says... In verse 20, the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Datham and Abiram. Listen to me. When a man of God tells you, to be careful about hanging around certain people in the church, you better listen to him, because he hasn't just isolated and picked out people to pick on them. They carry a spirit with them, and if you keep walking with them, you're going to go to hell with them. You're going to be destroyed with them. So they started telling the congregation, "Get out!" They warned the congregation, "Get away from these people right now. Get away from them." Is everybody alright? <sighs> the Bible says, Verse 25. Now keeping in mind, Cora or Datham Abiram and and uh Datham, Abiram, and Eli, they have not showed up yet still. They still rebelling in her in the house. They still sitting at home. They still ain't gone to church yet. Watch this. And Moses rose up and went unto Datham Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. You can sit on me all you want to. You're not going to stop me from bringing this word. (laughs) I promise you, I I don't preach it. I don't, yeah. He spoke in the congregation saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. And touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. Now, you know what? I can hear him now. I can hear the church people now saying. Now he thinks he can tell us who we can hang around with and who we can't. Boy, he really thinks he's a big shot, don't he? Boy, he's really going too far now. Who does he think he is telling us not to hang around? Datham. He's my buddy. Boy, he's really going too far now. Oh, okay, really? Well, stay with him and go straight, you know. Drop off yourself right with him. See, you better be careful. That spirit talked to you. I think he is telling me I can't hang around that person. I can't do that. I can't. He's just picking on you. He just got your number. He just wants you to be unhappy the rest of your life. Don't you know that? You know that, don't you? He's just out to get you. Mm-hmm. Watch this. The Bible says, He spake, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they gat up from the tabernacle of Korah Datham and Abiram on every side. And Datham and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die the common death, not going to be living abundant life, are they? Or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. That means they just die, you know, sort of natural death. But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open up her mouth. I told you they dig in a hole without a shovel. And swallow them up with all their appertaining to them. And they go down quick into the pit. Then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. thinking they were equal with Moses and Aaron. Moses says, God's fixing to do a brand new thing in your midst. He's fixing to open up the earth. He's going to open her mouth and swallow them up with all that pertain to them. And they go down quick into the pit. Then shall you understand that these men have not have provo- have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking, all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened their mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that are appertaining to Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. They went straight to hell, body, soul, and spirit. They didn't even die first. And their spirit separate from their body and go to hell. They went to hell. Body, soul, and spirit in a moment. Why? Because they're rebelling against delegated authority. God took them straight to hell. That's heavy, man. I don't want to get there. I don't want to be there to you. I want to be very careful that I don't let a spirit get a hold of me of self-importance. That I don't get a spirit a a hold of me that thinks I should be higher than where I am. That I don't let a spirit get a hold of me that I don't offer my gifts back to God and do it for His honor and for His glory. And continue to walk in submission to God's delegated authority in my life. Not get strange, with strange censors like these men. And get consumed by the fire of God. Now watch this. I got a question for you before I read all this. I'm just reading you the Bible. I have to, tonight. How do you think the congregation responded to Moses and them after that? I tell you what, if, if I was part of that congregation, pray tell. And I say, Oh, Moses, what can I do for you? Ooh, my, I'd be praying for you. Ooh, my, boy, you the man. You the man. I, I Yeah, you the man. I, we got the point now. Yeah, we're not messing with you. Ooh, baby, Ooh, give me your sandals. I'm going to shine them for you, man. I'll oh, wash your clothes and iron them tomorrow. Man, fix your dinner. You're the man. Hallelujah. Man, God opened up the, the floor because uh, they were talking against you. You're the man. You think that's the way they responded? I'm going to show you how crazy people are. They can witness people dropping off, going straight to hell for bypassing delegated authority. Now watch this. And not only that, not only do this do these people right here get swallowed up by the earth, but God sends a fire into the camp and kills the 250 princes that were standing there like this. I mean he lights their candle. He sets them on fire. Can you imagine that? It'd be a sight to see, wouldn't? It? see somebody just electricity just smoke coming off of them Ooh, Lord man Moses you really the man now we seen the when we've seen the earth open up and we seen people on fire Woo, Moses wow you gotta walk with God that's one powerful man. That's what you would think that most, you know, half intelligent people would do. But maybe we're not dealing with intelligent creation here. Watch this. The Bible says God consumes them. Are y'all with me still? In verse 35, there came out fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speaking to Eli. He said, basically, let me just tell you the story here. Take those censers, pound them down, and put them on the altar as a memorial to the people. To remind them to not sin. And to remind them not to walk in rebellion against God's delegated authority. Put it where they can see it. Pound it down and put it on the altar. Okay. And that's what they did. Now watch verse 41. Here's the response of the congregation. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Are you kidding me? You have got to be completely sick. In fact, you're just an idiot. You're just an idiot. We just went straight to hell for that. 250 of your eldership got burned up by God. And you're going to murmur against the man of God. You must be sick. No, you're demon possessed. You've let a spirit take over you. That's the only possible way that you can be that strange in the house. That crazy in the house. you let a spirit get a hold of you. Come on. How many of you out there got enough horse sense? If God opened up the the earth and burned up some of your, your friends in the congregation. And then he went in here and they burned up, you know, 250 of you if you were that big. How many of you think that you would get the point, get the message? Believe it or not, there's some idiots in this congregation that still don't get it. No, 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 don't. I didn't call you idiots, did I? Oh, Lord. I can hear them now. I don't have to go to that church. The pastor calls us all idiots. No, in the context, I'm just telling you that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we love to make excuses for why we act like and do what we do. But what does God think about your strangeness? What does God think about your strange incense? Your strange prayer? Your strange worship? Your strange preaching? What does God think about your strangeness? I'm telling you, this is a strange portion of scripture. That you can have all of that wiped out. And this strange response of the people of God says. Oh God, I feel fear of God in my spirit. Watch this. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron saying, "Ye have killed the people of the Lord. Started blaming the leadership, saying you murdered God's people. It came to pass. Isn't that strange? That's strange. But how many times have we got there? When a man of God gives you a word about your life, you just look at him with that dumb look. I tell you what it is, a spirit. It's rebellion. We don't like it. Are y'all here today? I love you. They still murmur against him. And you know what God does? What does he do? The Bible says he kills 14,700 more, I believe. Let me make sure. The Lord speaking to Moses, saying, Get thee up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. Uh-oh. In a moment. Here he is again, acting quickly. And they fell upon their faces. And so what does Moses do? He says, Aaron, go get thy censer. Go get the only true censor. Go get the only one that I've delegated authority to. Send the high priest. He's the one who has the right to to bring the incense for the people. Not the 250 elders or leadership of the church. They had no right to do it. They're just like Nadab and Abihu who took their censors and offered strange fire unto God. But God recognizes delegated authority. He says, you send Aaron out right now to get his censor. And you send Aaron through the camp with the censor. Let him intercede. Let him pray for the people of God. And as Aaron is running through the camp, uh, he's got dead bodies all around him. The Bible said he runs in between the dead and the living. Swinging that incense. And because he is walking in that camp between the dead and the living. And swinging that incense as God's delegated man who had the right to offer it. God, stop the plague. <laughs> but not until, he says, verse 4, 7, Aaron took as Moses commanded, ran in the midst of the congregation. Behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. He's the only one that has the sensor of fire that God recognizes. Everything else is a a strange sensor of fire. And when you carry a strange sensor of fire about you, you begin to act strange. And pretty soon what happens is the fire that you carry will be what consumes you in your destruction but you put it in the hands of the right man you put it in the hands of delegated authority it is not strange in that man's hand in that man's hand he is the true censor of fire in that man he's consumed but not yet burned in that man God recognizes God places his power and authority He has stopped the plague. Just because He can do it, doesn't mean you can do it. 14,700 people of the congregation of the Lord dies before this the proper authority can get to them to let them know you don't have to die understand that you don't want to carry the wrong censor understand you don't want to bypass delegated authority understand you don't want to get strange on God understand the order you're supposed to understand how to live abundantly. understand how to have life everlasting Understand how not to go to hell Understand how to be blessed Understand Understand how not to get diseases Understand how not to die early Understand how not to be strange authority in the hands of the right men will bring redemption will bring salvation will bring deliverance to the people of God but we pray that it's not too late because if it's too late then 14,700 plus 250 elders plus some other leadership are going to If that is unsolved, then everything remains unsolved. Give God some praise, church. Who among you want to be the strange ones in the house to offer strange worship and strange fire and strange singing and strange preaching in this house? God is in this place tonight to get rid of those spirits, to get you to repent, to to get you to fall on your face and cry out to God and say, God, that's been me, but I repent, I turn around. I've been acting weird. I've been acting strange. The Holy Ghost told me, he said, the reason why they're acting strange is because they're offering strange fire. The reason why they're so down and discouraged is because they're offering strange fire. They've got out of their place. They forgot the warning, they forgot the admonition, they forgot the danger of it all. They forgot that God sent an angel, a cherubim, He sent him straight out of heaven. He's going to put him in an eternal, everlasting burning fire. His name is Lucifer. Why? Because he rebelled against God in heaven. Don't forget this. the plates crush them flat put them on the altar so all of the congregation of the righteous can be warned to never do that again give God some praise in this house Thank God for His grace. On the one side, the Bible talks about how the ministry is a ministration of death to those who do not believe, but our ministration of life to those who will believe. And this is a perfect picture of it. There are some here tonight that are going to take this word serious. And they're going to learn it. They're going to learn it fast. And they're never going to miss it. And I'm not going to be a Lord over you. I don't want to be a Lord over you. That's God's responsibility. But I am telling you tonight, this is a serious thing to get strange. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, he stood between the dead and the living. The plague was stayed now they that died in the plague were fourteen thousand seven hundred beside them that died about the matter of Korah and Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the plague was stayed it's powerful man you look at their lives I'm sure that when they first started out Korah, Datham, Abiram, Eliab, 250 princes, Nadab, Abihu, Aaron, Miriam, when they first started out, I'm sure that they were humble, I'm sure that they were excited about how God was using them, but at some point, they thought they were bigger than what they were. It's very dangerous for all of us. It's dangerous for all of us. Even if God's got his hand on your life to be a prophet, if you're not careful, you try to play a part. And you try to perform for people. And you try to place yourself in a position where you give words when there are no words. And you start to speak, try to speak direction when there is no direction from God. Because you're expected to. I'm telling you the truth. You got to be careful. I've had people come to me, call me up, pastors call me up, ministers call me up. Hey, I want to come see you because I believe God's got a word for for me from you. I believe if I come talk to you, God will give you a word from me. And I've had them come and sit in the front up here with me and want me to give them a word. And I had to look at them and say, I don't have a word for you. God's not talking to me. God's not telling me anything. And I can't tell you something if God doesn't tell me something. But you know what happened? God sent them and God gave them a word. About the house. But if I'd have tried to be big shot, Mr. Show. Try to give somebody a word and send them on their way. I'd have missed the word from God. Give God some praise, church. All of us can be begin to move in strange fire, acting out of character. Can happen to anybody. It happened to those men. It could happen to me. It could happen to you. Let me go to another scripture. This is found, and I'm coming to a close. How many want to live abundant life? You won't live it in rebellion. It's impossible. <laughs> you lose a blessing on your life. You lose the ability to witness. You don't win souls anymore. You can't win a soul if you had to. If your life depended on you, you couldn't win a soul. Because your spirit's not where it needs to be in God. You can't be productive in that, with that kind of spirit. First Samuel Chapter fifteen, verse twenty two. Is this helping anybody tonight? Hallelujah. A king by the name of Saul. Samuel, the prophet, told him, said, God said, you kill all the Amalekites. You kill everything. The Bible said he disobeyed. And he kept back some of the sheep some of the cattle. Make a long story short here. In his disobedience, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? What's important to God is not how much you sacrifice, how much you give, how much talents we have. What's important to God is our obedience to God. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken. Than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I just understand this recently. See, God started speaking to me this word on a Monday, but yesterday, Tuesday, I came across the very end of a program where they were talking about this very subject, and I'm preaching you tonight. And they were in this text, and God had already given me this word to bring to you tonight. And this is the way he said the Hebrew reads on this text. He said, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's what your King James says. What it literally says in the Hebrew is that rebellion will lead you in to the sin of witchcraft. If you've got a rebellious spirit, it will, your next destination is witchcraft. So you go from rebellion to witchcraft. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. Because he wouldn't listen to the word from a man of God. Then he went through a witch of Endor for direction for his life. If you don't listen to a man of God, you'll go to somebody for counsel. He went to a witch and he died for it. And then it says, and stubbornness, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. It says iniquity and idolatry. Iniquity is rebellion against divine authority. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. He took a king out of his place. He'll remove a pastor out of his position. If that pastor doesn't walk in proper submission to God, God will take him out of the church. That congregation will never have to do it. If he's wrong, you just stand back and you wait and God will take him out in a moment. He did Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And because of his rebellion, it was leading him into witchcraft. He was getting into strange spirits. That's stubborn. And then if you read the next chapter, chapter 16, you will see that because of that rebellion, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So now because of his rebellion against God's authority, now God says, I'm not going to walk with you anymore. And I'm going to send a spirit to cause you trouble. And that man, in, he had a melancholy spirit. I mean, I'm not just talking about natural moodiness. All Everybody gets in moods when they're tired. This man had a Spirit. It was an evil spirit from the Lord that troubled him. Why? Because he disobeyed delegated authority. He disobeyed the prophet Samuel. And a spirit came on him. So I have seen everything from death to leprosy, disease, and now spiritual possession upon people who have missed this message. And if you don't take it to heart, will you be exempt? You might not die physically, but you're not going to have abundant spiritual life. You might get diseases in your body. I'm not putting it on you. I'm just telling you, you might get diseases. And you might get a demon. Because just as easily as you breathe... You could pull a spirit in you right then. Pull it in right there. I'm telling you the truth. I prayed for a man one time. I walked up to him. I smelled cigarette smoke all over him. He started denying. And if you read Saul's life right after this happens, you know what he does? He goes into denial. He says everything's okay. Everything's wonderful. I did this because of that. I did this because of that. And he goes into denial and explains away what he did. And that's what happens to rebellious people. and he becomes demon-possessed after denial. And I walked up to that man who once walked with God. I went to pray with him, God sent me to him, said, you go pray for that man right now. And I went to him, the first thing he did, started denying. He said, I'm praying, I'm okay, everything's all right, you know. I know I'm really not where I'm supposed to be right now, but I'm still praying to God. And I smelled cigarette smoke all over him. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said this, this man, as soon as he started pulling that cigarette smoke into his body, a demon went in with that cigarette smoke and a demon began to control his thoughts. You don't think it's real? You don't think a demon can enter into you through cigarette smoke? You got news. If you open the door for him through rebellion and walking away from God and delegated authority, you open the door for a spirit to come in. And oftentimes, unclean spirits love that filthy cigarette smoke. You suck it right into you. Strange fire! Fire! will cause you to become possessed. Inhaling the wrong kind of smoke will cause you to become possessed. And and there is a hope by the way. There is a hope that you can be delivered By the power of God. But you've got to stop denying. You've got to stop making excuses for yourself. You've got to say, yes, that's me you're talking to, preacher. Keep preaching to me. I need to repent. It opens you up for demon spirits. Sister Jennifer called me the other day. Other night we got home from church. She said, "Pastor, she said I don't know what's going on." And she testified this Sunday night. She, I don't know what's going on, Pastor. He said, "My kid said just urinating all over himself. Can't get him to stop urinating all over himself." The Lord spoke to me. He said, "That's demonic activity." She said, Pastor, I let somebody come in my house. And I'm worried when they came in my house, they brought spirits with them. I said, you know what? We're going to take authority over those spirits right now. And we took the authority over those spirits. We pled the blood of Jesus over this young woman and her children. And she stood up and testified Sunday night. That the moment we exercised what? Authority. In the name of Jesus. That the demon powers had to break their hold upon their children. It's real church. I want to be able to walk with the fire and the power of God. I want to be a true censor of fire that when we command the demons to go, they go. I don't want to be a man who's consumed by the fires of hell. I don't want to be a man who's cursed with leprosy sickness. I don't want to be a man who has demon powers, torment them day and night. want to be a man that has true power and authority. They can see the captives set free. See demons cast out. I'm not afraid of any of them. I'm not afraid of any of them. And the only way you can get into a place where you're not afraid of the devil. And you're not afraid of going to hell. And you're not afraid of sickness. The only place that you can get to in your life is when you stop getting being strange. When you stop offering strange fire. When you stop doing strange things. When you walk with God. Then God will give you authority to cast out devils. He'll give you authority to see the sick healed. He'll give you authority to see people delivered from damnation. But you can't walk as a man and woman of God with, a, with the right censer in hand and become a fiery censor of God personified if you have the other censers that you are carrying. Now the Holy Ghost is giving me revelation right now. You're carrying a censor tonight. Everybody in this house is carrying a censor because you are kings and priests unto God. You either are carrying a censor of rebellion or you are carrying a censer of power and authority. You are a man and a woman consumed by fire or you will be consumed by hell. You will cast out devils uh, or devils will possess you. Uh, You will see the sick healed uh, or you will become sick in body. But every one of you tonight is carrying a censer of fire. The censer of fire is the test. take your gifts and give them to God humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time take the censer of rebellion and put it in the hands of true men and let them crush it and let them beat it and let them place it in the church as a memorial to all of us don't go there last verse Hebrews 13 I knew God was gonna break in here. I knew he was gonna explain. How many of you want to be men and women with true sensors in your hand? Or how many of you want to be people that have a very strange spirit about them? You get around them and you know something's not right. How many want the power of God in your life? See, what God's offering you tonight is the censor of Korah, Nadab, and Abihu, or the censor of an Aaronic priesthood, really, that has been swallowed up into a Melchizedek priesthood and taken into a higher realm of power and authority. That's what He's offering you. You are kings and priests unto God, you are part of a Melchizedek priesthood. You should have the power and ability to lay hands on the sick. God said that. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said you will cast out devils. Jesus said that about you. Not just about pastors, but about you. But you have to rightly relate yourself with a delegated man to have that kind of power. Give God some praise. God praise church give God praise God he wants you to be a vessel of abundant life that wherever you go demons are cast out you speak in new tongues lay hands on the sick and the sick recover But you cannot have that if you're like this with the 250 princes. That's why God called some of you out Sunday night and said, Come up here, for you've been separated unto me, and you are holy unto me, and you walk holy unto me, and you are dedicated and separated unto me. Do not put yourself in compromising situations which will cause you to fall and lose your power and authority though you be surrounded by many people who have strange spirits among them. What's this? Is this blessing you tonight? If you don't settle this thing, nothing will be settled. If you don't get this right, nothing in your life will ever be right. Hebrews 13, he says in verse 7, remember. Remember. It's easy to forget, isn't it? Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith following, considering the end of their conversation. Verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Not just obey, but submit. Have a submissive spirit. For they watch for your souls. Why would anybody be crazy enough to submit to somebody else? When that goes contrary to everything that, you know, that we feel inside. Because they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Someday, somebody will give account for you. And, well, somebody will say, well, I'm going to give an account for myself. I give an account unto God for myself. That's true. But also, you will give an account to God for the way that you submitted to the man who will give an account for you. It's not just accounting for yourself. It's accounting for the way that you submitted yourself to the man who would give account for you on Judgment Day. When you stand before God, God's going to call that man forward. And that man, listen, he's gonna give an account for you. And some of you, he's gonna be excited about, happy about, say, yes, that was a faithful servant, that was an awesome person. They obeyed, they submitted. And then there'll be others who come up there and, with grief, that man of God will have to bend his head down and say, I tried everything I could with him, but I couldn't do anything with him. With grief. And the bible said that will become unprofitable for you i don't want you to stand before god on judgment day and be unprofitable i don't want you to be without reward on judgment day i don't want to have to be the a man who has grief over you because i couldn't do anything for you i want to give an account for you before god and say lord thank you god you're an awesome awesome blessing to me and the church of the living god That's pretty serious. And so the pastor always has to keep one eye on the congregation and another eye on the Bema seat of God. On the judgment seat of God. And he is to rule that church and to lead that church not as a Lord over God's heritage. Because he himself knows someday he will be judged. And he knows someday he's going to stand with you. And God's going to judge him and judge you. And judge his rulership over you and your willingness to follow that leadership. That's what God says. So I got one eye on the judgment seat of Christ. And I got one eye on you. And I know that someday all of us are going to stand before God and be judged. And some of us are going to be rewarded and some of us are not. Some of us are not going to profit there. So tonight, even if God were to tell you that you're not, you don't have to worry about going to hell or you don't have to worry about getting leprosy or you don't have to worry about getting a demon, that right there would scare me more than those three. Stand before God Almighty and give an account for my submission to another man. And for me, stand before God And to give account for each one of the sheep that I I shepherd. That is an awesome responsibility. And is never to be taken lightly by any man called in ministry or any person in the pew. It's very important. So God wants you to profit. God wants you to be blessed. Blessed. He wants you to have an abundant life. Which sensor is in your hand tonight? Which fire do you carry in your bosom? Is it a fire, an anointing of God that will set the captive free and drive demons from people's lives and see people that are sick healed? And people come in the kingdom of God and be saved from damnation? Or is it something that will cause you to possibly be sick, demon-possessed, and hell-bound yourself? And if not that, unprofitable, the judgment seat of Christ. You know which one God wants you to walk in, don't you? You know which one your pastor wants you to walk in, don't you? You know I want you to walk with power and authority in your life. You know God wants you to. He died as the true high priest to come in here. And I want you to know that if you have missed it in the past, Jesus is here tonight to accept your repentance. He's here tonight if there's a devil chasing you. He's here to deliver you from that devil tonight. He's here tonight that if you've been strange in the house of God lately. He's here to restore you tonight. He's here to make you whole again. He's here to fill your life with hope and love and power. It's your choice. Lift your hands and talk to Jesus. Lord, I praise you tonight. I sense in my spirit, Lord, that you are getting this church ready for the upcoming revival. The crusade. In the name of Jesus. We humble ourselves before you right now, oh God. We repent. Of our sin. Oh yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I take authority over denial tonight. In the name of Jesus, I intercede for this congregation tonight. The power of God would hit everybody in this side of the church. Hit everybody on this side of the church. The spirit of the living God flow in this house, Lord, tonight. Setting people free, delivering them, Lord. God, you're alive tonight, Jesus. You're alive tonight. I give you glory and honor and praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want some ladies, if you would please, right now. I believe that God will fill glory with the Holy Ghost tonight. If you will go back there and pray for her. I believe that God wants to fill her with the Holy Ghost tonight. In the name of Jesus. There is enough of the presence of God in this house tonight. Enough fire of God's spirit. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your fire and your power. Lord Jesus, God, help this church to take this word to heart. Help this church, Lord God, tonight. I pray to respond to the word of the living God. Not to the word of a man, but to the word of the living God. Jesus, help them to move in this and to walk into this. Blessed be your holy name. Yeah, tonight, Lord, tonight. Brother Andy, give me some music, please.